Today's episode of Locked On Blackhawks is brought to you by Locked On NHL. If you need more hockey news every day, then Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories in game recaps on Locked On NHL. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Tuesday, June 22nd. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2. Go give that a follow. Or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. If you like what you're hearing today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast. Go rate me with five stars if you like what you're hearing. Leave me a review as well if you want to. It's all free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, etc. And you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Also, if you're on Twitter, then please go follow the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page. That can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good content being posted there every day as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as always, thank you for tuning into today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. To start off the show here today, I'm actually, uh, I know it's Tuesday, but yesterday, yesterday's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, which is usually... Uh, Mailbag Monday is usually a segment we hold, Um, but yesterday, if you tuned in the episode then, you heard my conversation with Jay Forster, the host of Locked On Blue Jackets, discussing all the goodies on Seth Jones, who is one of the uh, higher sought-after defensemen this season, because a few weeks back, of course, he announced that uh, he will be testing the free agent market following the final year on his current deal. So I wanted to sit down with Jay and, you know, just kind of uh, talk out some details, talk about what his thoughts were on Jones the past couple of years, because if you've been listening to the show, then you know I've talked about how the analytics for Seth have not been what they were when he first came to Columbus, and neither were the offensive numbers. So I really wanted to talk to Jay, someone who would know a lot better about that situation than I would, and kind of give get his feeling on Seth Jones and um, potentially coming to Chicago and and being a number one defenseman that we really need. That was part one of the conversation. Part two will probably drop either um, tomorrow or Thursday. Sometime later on this week, I'm going to get part two of that conversation out there where we talk uh, some potential trades and whatnot. But that kind of trumped Mailbag Monday yesterday because I've been waiting a few days to get that interview out there with Jay. So on today's episode, I'm going to get into some of the questions that I was asked on Twitter when uh, I threw out my mailbag post late last night. So to start things off, the first question I got, I'm going to rattle through these rather quickly because I have four of them today and I do want to get to all of them. The first one came from at Season on Twitter, Ian Season. hopefully you can pick it up for the Cubbies, um, but at Season asked, do you think the Blackhawks will make a push for Jack Eichel? Well, the... The rumors already have come out stating that the Blackhawks do have interest in making a run for Jack Eichel and I mean, that that really should be the case for... Uh, the 31 other teams across the National Hockey League. If you're not kicking the tires on Jack Eichel, who uh, the tension is kind of building in Buffalo, and it seems like he could be out of there in the next couple of months. If you're not kicking the tires 
on a superstar like Jack Eichel as a general manager, then you're not really doing your job all that well. So no real surprise to hear that the Blackhawks um, were already tied to Jack Eichel, but at the same time, it's first off, it's going to cost an arm and a leg, probably... It's going to cost one of Alex DeBrinkett or Kirby Doc. And at this point of the Blackhawks rebuild, are we really trying to swap one piece to get another like that? Like, adding by subtracting doesn't really make sense, in my opinion, for the Blackhawks at this stage. Would I love to have Jack Eichel? Yes. Would I rather have him than Kirby Doc and Alex DeBrinkett? Yeah, probably. But do I want to lose one of those guys just to gain Jack Eichel? Is that going to make the Blackhawks that much better of a team? And my answer is... Probably not. You need pieces around. Um, you need depth in this league to be a good hockey team. So even though the Blackhawks, I think, will make a push for uh, Jack Eichel, they, they kind of have to. And I just don't see a way where that deal kind of works out in both teams' favor. And also, Jack Eichel commands a very high AAV. Um, and for the Blackhawks to even take on that contract, I know they have some cap space, but they don't have an abundance of cap space. That's going to put them back in a fa financial crisis, even if they were to acquire Eichel, and um, they, they'd have to give up someone of some pretty significant AAV just in order to even take on that contract. Dylan Strom, um, we'd probably have to get rid of Adam Boquist as well, because he's going to be due for a contract upgrade in a couple years, and then we still probably got to shed um, a couple more AAV and make the deal enticing enough for Buffalo to even want to do it. So, because of those complex reasons, ultimately, I do not think the Blackhawks will be one of the front runners for the Jack Eichel sweepstakes this summer. The second question I got on Twitter last night came from uh, Seth Tupal. I hope I pronounced that right, Seth. I, I haven't talked with you in person yet. He's the host, the new host of Lockdown Wild. Seth, I really hope I didn't butcher your last name there, buddy. But Seth's a good guy. If you're interested in wild stuff, definitely go check out Lockdown Wild or Seth's Twitter page slash podcast. But Seth asked me last night, being a little funny guy, he said, how many goals will Kirill Kaprizov score against the Blackhawks next season? Well, Seth, um, it's kind of hard to score goals against the Blackhawks when you're playing in the KHL, so uh, I'm going to give that a big goose egg, and I'm sure hearing that will probably break Seth's heart as he's uh, holding on for dear life, hoping that Minnesota's going to be able to bring back their uh, Rookie of the Year, but it sounds like he kind of has some interest in going back to the motherland. We'll just have to wait and see what happens there, but I'm going to go with zero, Seth, because I know that was sarcasm when you asked me that question. The third question on Twitter I wanted to get to, excuse me, is from a regular question answer. I really appreciate it. Christopher Brown on Twitter, at Chris underscore Brown1, asks me a bunch of questions on the podcast, which again, I always appreciate. Last night, Christopher asked, what is the supposed asking price Buffalo is asking for? I'm assuming he's talking about Jack Eichel. And is Dylan Strom part of the rumored package? So there really isn't like a ideal package, I think, for Buffalo at the moment. They're, they're kind of just throwing around hypotheticals. Um, it's still pretty early in those Jack Eichel sweepstakes, so there's not like a set-in-stone return that I think Buffalo is wanting at the moment. Obviously, it's going to be it's gonna be the bag. I mean, it's Jack Eichel. They're obviously going to get a ton. I, I'd assume 
for the Blackhawks. First off, I, I do think Dylan Strom would be part of that that deal, though. Um, swapping a center for a center, I know obviously that's not a one-for-one -one trade, but Dylan Strom, only 24 years old, I do believe he has some offensive upside if you use him the right way and just kind of show that you believe in him. I really think Jeremy Colleton did him a due diligence this season with those healthy scratches late in the year, and also just never regularly playing him on the same line or the same position. Any trade really this summer for the Blackhawks, I think Dylan Strom is probably part of the package deal, I would assume. I mean, he just seems to be the odd man out. We have a lot of center depth. Lucas Reichel and Henrik Borgstrom are coming up. Um, obviously, we have Doc and Taze, Pia Suter, Philip Kurashev, David Camp. It's something I talked about. Where do you put Dylan Strom? And when you move him over to the wing, he hasn't looked very good. So uh, I'm going to assume any Blackhawks trade that they make this summer, Dylan Strom is probably rumored to be part of the package. Um, the supposed asking price for Buffalo, I'm just going to throw this out here for you, Christopher. Don't um, take this with a grain of salt because <laughs> I don't really know exactly what the asking price is at the moment, but if the Blackhawks were to make a trade to get Jack Eichel, I would assume it would take either Kirby Doc or Alex Dabrinkit. I don't know which one the Blackhawks would rather get rid of at this point, but I assume it would take one of those two, probably Dylan Strom, and then probably at least two first-round picks. Like, Jack Eichel is going to, it's going to be a haul to get Eichel. Now, whether or not the Blackhawks want to do that, I probably wouldn't. I'd probably try to build around those core pieces that we already have, but at the same time, I mean, Jack Eichel's superstar potential, um, for a team, in order for a team to get him, they're going to have to bite the bullet and give up a lot. I just don't know if the Blackhawks are that team and wanting to do that at this point in their rebuild. The last question I got last night as I wrap up Talk Back Tuesday on today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks came from Loretta Braun on Twitter at Sports and Music 35. Loretta asked, How likely is it that Hamilton will resign with the Canes? And if he doesn't, who would be a better fit, Dougie Hamilton or Seth Jones? I've kind of touched on this a couple times on the show recently. I, I do think Dougie is going to hit the open market and try to make that bread. Um, it just makes sense for him financially. I know Carolina's in a great spot and a good team that is shaped up to be that way for a long time. They're looking like a, a team that's really headed only... There's, the good things are only... Good things... Only good things are coming for the Carolina Hurricanes. Couldn't get that one out. Um, so while it could be enticing for Dougie to stick around on a really good team, I do think he wants to be that guy and get that bag, as he's deserve, deservingly should. I mean, he's been one of the best offensive defensemen in the league for some time. So I personally do think he's going to leave Carolina and hit that open market and get, you know, an Alex Petrangelo-like payday. Um, but as for who I think would be the better fit between Dougie Hamilton and Seth Jones, I literally talked about this on yesterday's episode, Loretta. So if you want to go check that out, um, it's a great 30-35 minute conversation all about Seth Jones with Jay Forster from the host of Lockdown Blue Jackets. I personally think Seth Jones is the safer and better option. He has less injury history. Uh, he's a couple years younger. I, I, he's six foot four, two hundred pounds. Not that Dougie isn't big himself, but I think Jones is a better mold and plays a style of game to be a better two-way defenseman than Dougie Hamilton would be as a number one. Hamilton, great offensive defenseman. He'd run a power play. I just I have questions about him being a number one anchor on uh, you know a, a Stanley Cup team, and that's what the Blackhawks. That's the point of what we're trying to do here. Yes, 
I know it's going to be easier said than done, but we're trying to get back to being a Stanley Cup winning team here in the next hopefully five years. We're, that's what we're that's our end goal. That's what we're trying to get back to. We we saw it happen three times in six, not all that long ago. We're trying to get back to those golden ages. And I think the better number one defenseman for that would be Seth Jones. Now, that's just my personal opinion. I understand that other people are going to think differently, but you're asking me, Loretta, and my answer to this is I think Seth Jones would be the better fit than Dougie Hamilton as the number one defenseman for the Blackhawks going forward. All right, I think that is going to take care of our Talk Back Tuesday segment. Thank you for every, thank you to everyone who asked a question on Twitter last night. Coming up in just a moment, it's time to get into another 2021 NHL draft profile. But first, I need to talk to you all about rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even as much as 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or at a new car dealership? Chain stores and car dealerships have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're always reliably low. The rockauto.com catalog is also remarkably unique and super easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and you can even choose the brands, specifications, and the prices that you prefer. Best of all, Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts when you can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts that you'll ever need for your car or truck for the best possible prices. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. I just finished up our weekly mailbag segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners out there. Moving on now, it's time to get into yet another 2021 NHL draft profile here on the Lockdown Blackhawks Podcast. Last week, I took a deeper dive into... Fabian Liesel, Chaz Lucius, and Matthew Coronado, and now it's time to break down 18-year-old forward Atu Ratu, one of my favorite names, probably my favorite name in this 2021 NHL draft, and Ratu, by the way, coming into this draft for the past couple of years, he was projected to be the number one overall pick in this 2021 NHL draft. However, Things have changed immensely for him since the COVID-19 pause over a year ago. Now we're talking about um, Owen Power and Matthew Berniers going number one overall. And, Rit- uh, and Ratu isn't really even considered in that to be in that conversation anymore. In fact, TSN's Bob McKenzie in his final prospect rankings had Ratu listed as the 20th best player in this year's draft. We've also seen him ranked as high as uh, number three and number seven on some other sites and scouting boards, but most of them have Ratu somewhere around 
11 to 15, 16, 17, somewhere in that top 20, which is essentially still right there for the Chicago Blackhawks, who of course have the 11th overall uh, overall selection later on this summer. But getting into Ratu, he's an interesting prospect for sure, because when you go and look at his numbers over the past few years, he's played for Karpat's youth program over in Finland for most of his career so far, and in his early years in 2018-19 and 2019-20, he absolutely lit up those youth leagues over in Finland. He had 65 points in just 21 games for the U16 team when he was, you know, just 14 and 15 years old. And then in his um, first season the following year up in the U18 and U20 teams, those numbers were piling up there as well, despite Ratu being much younger than the competition. But, and there is a but here, The last two years just haven't had the same amount of success for Ratu. In 2019-20, in 30 games with the U-20 team, he only had two goals and 21 points, which 21 points in 30 games for um, a U-18 team, I mean, that's not bad by any means. It just wasn't really the progression I feel like a lot of people were expecting for that, you know, projected number one overall pick. And then in this past year, when he did perform well, with the U20 team, excuse me, when I said he had, um, when he had two goals and 21 points, that was for the U20 team, um, this past year, he did perform well there once again, seven points in eight games played, but when he jumped up onto Karpat's big boy team in Finland's Liga, Ratu only had three goals and three assists for six points in 35 games played, so really the, the progression, especially offensively, just hasn't been there for what most people felt was going to be the surefire number one pick in this year's draft. And he also, this is a big red flag. I don't know what the reasons are behind this, but Ratu also wasn't even a part of Finland's 2021 World Juniors roster this past winter. Again, I don't know what came of that. I'm not sure if um, he got into a dispute with the coaching staff or if he had a bad showing at camp or something. Nothing was really reported of that situation, but whatever it may be, that's definitely not a great sign. And I think that's why, uh, on top of the offensive progression not being great, I think that's why we really see Ratu slipping down the prospect rankings over the last calendar year or so. But taking a look at his game as a whole, the kid's already six foot one, 181 pounds as an 18-year-old. He's got good size to him, especially for a guy who's played predominantly at the center position so far in his career. Um, But of course, still some room to grow there and uh, add a little weight and hopefully get closer to that 200-pound mark. But the biggest thing about Ratu's game is his skating and his puck handling. First off, Ratu is already a really good skater. I don't know if he, I'd call him a great skater or um, an elite skater like I deemed Fabian Liesel to be, but that's definitely a strength in his game 100%. I don't see the pace or transition offense ever being a problem for Ratu at the NHL level. He moves well, and he also has a really strong stride to him and good acceleration, which seems to lead to a lot of his chances offensively. And also, his puck handling. It's, It's really impressive. He's very patient with the puck, especially for a kid his age, and he's capable of both skating the puck into the offensive zone, and also skating back on the back check. Offensively, with his patience, he's he's capable of 
making that smart and easy pass in the offensive zone that'll uh, create looks for his team, both at even strength and on the power play. And the power play was actually something I really wanted to talk about with Ratu because when you go and watch his highlights, a lot of the plays he makes come from that left circle on the man advantage or just even at uh, even strength. But in particular, on that power play, I feel like that's been a spot for a long time that the Blackhawks have been struggling with. I know Alex Dabrinkit is, he's working on that part of his game, but I'm still a little concerned about his ability to rifle off that one-timer from over there, which, of course, gives the right-handed forwards an advantage. Now, Ratu is a lefty, but he seems very comfortable over on that left circle, almost like of Vladimir Tarasenko for the Blues. When I was watching his highlights, that was the one guy that came to mind. Now, I'm not comparing their skill sets or their goal-scoring abilities by any means, but that was just the similarity I saw. Tarasenko, we've watched him light up the Blackhawks for the past, you know, decade basically now. And even though he's a lefty, he loves that left side on the power play because he has the ability to roof shots, glove high through that screen. And I think that's another huge strength of Ratu's game. Now, I will say that, you know, even though the offensive skill set, it's clearly there, the lack, of consist- the lack of consistency for sure is concerning, especially as a goal scorer, in my opinion, because in the last few years, Ratu hasn't exactly found the back of the net with ease. He only had two goals um, in those 31 games played with the U-20 team a few years back, only three goals in 35 games in Liga this past season. Um... I just feel like I think there's a stronger chance of Ratu becoming an overall playmaker because of his his speed and his skill set instead of just a pure goal scorer. Now, on defense, the reports state that, you know, he's already a pretty solid and responsible defender. Um, and more so, you know, you just don't want to hear about that that part of their game being a weakness at this point of the draft profiles. You know, if they're just an okay defender at this point, I'll take that because the NHL coaches and the development guys, they'll be able to work on that part of the game more so than others. So it's just nice to hear that Ratu, you know, he kind of has that side of the puck taken care of already, and I'm sure his speed helps in that matter tremendously. But overall... I think Ratu, I think he could be a good fit for the Blackhawks at number 11 because if he can find that that firepower offensively, then it, whoever takes him in the draft, if he finds that part of his game and if he can produce consistently more so than he has in the past few years over in Europe, then it'll probably look like a steal for whatever team takes him at the draft wherever he goes. Um, of course, being the projected number one pick a couple years back. I'm sure if he can find that part of his game, things are going to go well. But like a lot of the scouts, I'm just really not sure what to make of Ratu. Um, I had the Blackhawks taking him in my mock draft a few weeks back. That'll come out um, sometime soon through the Lockdown Podcast Network. But I really just had that. It was before I took these deeper dives into some of the draft profiles and you know, I just seeing him fall so hard in the rankings over the past couple of years. It's almost like, well, we can get a really good player here at number 11, a guy who literally 12 months ago, a lot of people thought was for sure going in the top three. If we just believe in him, then I think this could turn out 
could turn out really well. Of course, there's other things that tie into that, but if the Blackhawks feel his offensive game can still translate, and trust me, they have a great European department. They would know better than a lot of the teams in the NHL. Then I feel like it would be a really good pick for the Blackhawks at number 11, but I will admit there are a couple of concerns, you know, that, that could push him back even further. Really, the offensive consistency. Um, I've seen the lack of discipline has kind of been an issue. And also, just what happened with the juniors team this year is, um, is is he emotional? Is he a problem in the locker room? I don't ever want to say that about somebody because I'm not there personally. But something happened where... That something happened that led to Ratu being being left off that Finland World Junior roster. Um, but whatever happens with him in the draft, you know, it's definitely he probably might be the most interesting player here in this first round because he really can go anywhere. But I personally, I don't think I would mind if the Blackhawks go that way. But that would mean that they trust Ratu enough to take him in the eleven, take him eleventh in the 2021 NHL draft later this summer later this summer and if they do that I think that means they feel comfortable enough with making the selection and I trust the Blackhawks European scouting department more than I'll trust a lot of things about this organization so I personally would feel comfortable with Atu Ratu going number 11 for the Chicago Blackhawks in the 2021 NHL draft all right, I think that is going to take care of Atu Ratu's 2021 NHL draft profile. Coming up in just a minute, it's time for 21-year-old forward Philip Kurashev's 2021 season recap. But first, I need to talk to you all about betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and be sure to use our promo code LOCKEDON, one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Major League Baseball is getting into the summer swing. The NBA and NHL playoffs are getting towards the second round. UFC is an all-year-round sport, and you can get all the latest news, odds, and info with Bet Online. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It's seriously the best way to place your bets, and it's also free to sign up. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Head on over to the website, or you can also use your mobile device to sign up today. And be sure to use our exclusive promo code LOCKEDON, that's one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I just got done breaking down 2021 NHL draft prospect Atu Ratu. Now, before I wrap things up on the show here today, it's time for 21-year-old forward Philip Kurashev's 2021 season recap. So, 
for Khrushchev coming into the year it was going to be his first in the NHL and he got off to a really strong start for the Blackhawks getting a a top six top nine role right away due to the lack of center depth with Jonathan Taze and Kirby Doc out of the lineup and overall on the year Khrushchev wound up dressing in 54 of the Blackhawks 56 games he was a healthy scratch a couple times towards the end of the year which I, I didn't really agree with I honestly think it was only once um, and he had one scratch earlier on in the year but still I thought he was consistent enough especially at his age 21 years old his first professional season I thought he was consistent enough to be in there for the Blackhawks every game this season and I was pretty happy to see that he played in 54 of the 56 and in those 56 games played Khrushchev finished with eight goals and eight assists for 16 points but as I said a lot of that damage was done uh, earlier on in the season I'm actually going to go through his game log right now and talk about the breakdown yeah he started off hot in January he had in the month of January alone he had in the Blackhawks first 10 games he had four goals which is incredible he only finished with eight on the season so in Khrushchev's final 45 uh 44 43 games of the year he only had four goals and the goal scoring, I, I understand it taking a dive. I mean, it, it's tough to score goals, especially um, without lots of time in the system. He only had one year in Rockford last year, and he came up right away and was expected, as I said, to be that top six, top nine center that the Blackhawks needed on their second and third lines. Um, the, the concerning part for Khrushchev was definitely just the dip towards the end of the year. He, only, he didn't have a goal in his final 11 games, um, and he only had two in his final, what, 25? So, kind of a tale of two seasons for Philip Kershev. But overall, as a whole, 16 points in 54 games. Not not terrible by any means. And uh, I expect those numbers only to go up once he gets more comfortable and starts to settle in uh, at the NHL level. Taking a look at how that ranked for the Chicago Blackhawks in 2021. In points, oh, nope, got to change the filter still. Come on, guys. All right, so in points, Khrushchev finished seventh on the Blackhawks, one behind Dylan Strom. He was tied with Adam Boquist. Um, it, it was kind of tough after the top four for the Blackhawks this season. Really, all the points came from Kane, Debrinket, and Kubalik. After that, Suter and Hagel chimed in nicely as rookies, and Khrushchev was third in rookie points. So, not, not, a fantastic season by any means, but also I thought Kurashev was fine for, for being a, a first year pro and only 21 years old. Not to mention, he was a fourth round pick in the, I believe, the 2018 NHL draft. Yeah, fourth round pick in 2018, 120th overall. So that's a pretty, if you would say that three years after that, Philip Kurashev would already be at the NHL level producing for this Blackhawks team, you would take that as a win. Penalties in minutes, only 12 penalties in minutes for Khrushchev this season, which it could tell you two things. One, it could tell you that as a back checker at the center position, he did play wing sometimes, but he was pretty good at not taking penalties, only six minor penalties in 54 games played, or that could also tell you that he wasn't quite aggressive enough on the back check. It's a tough thing to kind of um, project out, but Overall, I will say good job to Philip Kershaw for not being in the box too much this season because the Blackhawks, I felt like they had a lot of that, especially from their defensemen. Out of his eight goals scored this season, Kershaw had six at even strength, which is nice. Two power play goals to chip in. He did perform well on that second unit, and I really 
not only do I want to see more of Kershev on the power play next year, but I do want to see more of that second unit because when the Blackhawks were playing their best early on in the season, that second power play unit was cashing in and really helping out the offense. That faded as the year went on, but I honestly thought Jeremy Colleton and the coaching staff just kind of trusted them less and less and didn't give them as much ice time on the man advantage. So good to see that Kurashev on that second unit can uh, help help chip in and provide offensively. Would like to see more of that out of him in the future. Looking at his shooting percentage, 12.3%. I believe that was just about the same for P.S. Suter, or I might might have been Dylan Strom, but 12.3%, anything in double digits, you'll take. I mean, you'd like to get it closer to 15, but 12.3 is a rookie. That tells me that Kurt, he did have 106 shots in his 54 games played, so nearly two per game, but he has to shoot more and more and more. He's got to and that, that's kind of the case for the Blackhawks as a whole. That They just got to get more aggressive in the offensive zone and fire more pucks on net regularly. We are getting outshot, even by double digits. So I think the Blackhawks and their their young players, they really, they, I, when I look at this department, most of them shoot well. Most of them shoot in that 12 to 15%. And that just tells me they got to be a little bit more aggressive when the puck is on their stick in the offensive zone. Kershev's time on ice this season, 13 minutes and five seconds per game. That ranked, oh my, lower than I thought, 19th on the Blackhawks this season behind Brandon Hagel, David Kampf, uh, Andrew Shaw when he was healthy, not a surprise. Dylan Strom, um, really only ahead of the fourth-line players that qualified. So Kershev didn't have too large of a role, I guess, this season. I felt it was going to be a little bit higher than that, to be honest. Um, but that that probably comes with trusting uh, Pia Suter a little bit more, a guy who's had a couple years under his belt, and obviously Dylan Strom's going to get a little bit more time on ice, even though we've seen that number regress over the past couple years. So 13-04 as a third-line player, that, that's probably right about, that's probably accurate for Kershev and what he should have been playing this past season. I'd like to see that get up closer to the 15-minute mark as we, you know, hopefully can only trust him more and more and become uh to become a more reliable two-way player for this Blackhawks team. Some other numbers I wanted to dive into, I got to talk about the face-offs because Kershev only won 41.1% of his draws this season. Now, we can't say that's really surprising because over the past couple years when the Blackhawks have gotten those young players, in particular their, their centers, up into the NHL level, Kirby, Doc, um, P.S. Suter, we've seen those guys struggle in the face-off department. So even though he only won 41% of his draws this season, I know that hurts, and it definitely hurt the Blackhawks overall. They were one of the worst face-off teams in the NHL this season. But you got to give those young players reps at that age. You got to let them learn how to win face-offs. And sometimes, I talk about this a lot on the podcast, I am a firm believer that you have to learn, not necessarily this has to happen, but I think a, a part of developing is you got to learn the hard way. Sometimes you just got to get thrown into the fire and and, and learn how, how to lose first, I, I think, comes a long way with winning. If you go in there at, at a young age, you're going to lose a lot of your face-offs, but that's also going to prepare you. It's like the older brother syndrome, right? You have two brothers. One of them's four years older than the other. The younger brother's going to grow up playing sports with that older brother, and he's going to learn the hard way how to play that sport and how to, you know, get better and hone his craft. 
That's the same thing I feel with these players. You put them in there at 19 and 20, they're going up against NHL veterans. Yeah, they're going to get their butts kicked around a little bit, but eventually that's going to turn back in your favor. And hopefully when these guys are 25, 26, 27, they can become really good face-off men because they've been there and done that for so many years already. So even though it was 41.1% out of Kurashev this season, don't let that discourage you about his future at the center of position. I believe Kirby Dock was in the 30s last year as a rookie. So um, while that de- that number definitely needs to go up if Kurashev wants to play center long-term, um, 41.1% shouldn't just eliminate him as a center for the Blackhawks in the future. Couple other numbers here: 32 hits in 54 games for Kurashev. Uh, six foot, 190 pounds. He's not huge, but I like that he was willing to throw his weight around every now and then. Hopefully, he can get that up to um, maybe closer to one hit per game once he plays a full season for the Blackhawks next year. And the last thing I wanted to talk about really was the takeaways and the giveaways. 18 takeaways for Kurashev this season, which isn't a ton in 54 games. But he also only had 16 giveaways, so pretty consistent with the puck on his stick. He, w- he made the smart plays happen, and he wasn't coughing it up a ton in his own zone, which you care about as a rookie in the NHL. You want to look at those numbers and see how they handle the pressure with the puck on their stick at such a young age. And I thought Kershev handled the pressure well. And uh, as long as those takeaway numbers are higher than the giveaways, even if that doesn't lead to him becoming a tremendous two-way player like we hope, you know, I'll take that year in and year out as long as he's not coughing up the puck. The last thing I also want to talk about the was the 50.1 Corsi percentage out of Kurashev this season. Now, I know Corsi isn't... It can just help you kind of understand what the numbers were this season, but overall, from a possession standpoint, the Blackhawks were pretty good when Philip Kurashev was on the ice, 29 goals for to 29 against. It's not like he was a liability or anything. And 50.1% is honestly one of the highest numbers I've seen on this team this year. I believe the only two guys I've seen above 50 are Kurashev and Dylan Strom, which is um, kind of interesting. It showed you that the Blackhawks had a lot of their had a lot of their offensive chances when those guys were on the ice. They just didn't. Um, convert on them all that much because Dylan Strom only had what I think he had 17 points in his 40 games played and Kershev had 16 and 54 so even though um that didn't lead to production on the stat sheet the Blackhawks were actually uh pretty good overall when Kershev was on the ice so overall taking everything into consideration for Philip Kershev this season I know it was um it was kind of a tale of two halves for him this past season, the first half, he had that ridiculous goal against the Red Wings where he split the defenseman and had, <laughs> it was a highlight reel goal out of Kershev, and I'm like, oh my god, this kid's gonna be a stud, and then the second half, he really wasn't able to find the same success, but still, 16 points in 54 games out of a 21-year-old former fourth-round pick, he wasn't taking a lot of penalties, the shooting percentage was okay, uh, for a third-line role, you know, I thought he handled that well for the most part. I'm going to give Ker- Philip Kurashev a solid B for his performance in 2021. And the fans honestly felt the same. 69% of the voters voted for a B for Philip Kurashev. 29% voted for a C. 4% voted for an A. And no one gave him a D or an F. So, for the most part, everyone felt... Pretty solid about what Philip Kurashev did in his rookie campaign for the Blackhawks this past season. So I think a, a B is a very fair rating for what he did as a 21 year old in the National Hockey League this past year. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Tuesday, June 22nd's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and go be sure to follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. It's free. Go do so right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, which is a daily podcast that breaks down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes by following Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at Talkin Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can hit me on one of my Twitter accounts, or you can even call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.